Wilson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Anyone else dragging a little bit today? Feeling a little drowsy? Maybe got a headache? It's probably because you stayed up to watch the Brewers last night. 9.05 or 9.10 first pitch. West Coast games are killer, and I'm not just talking about the time. Last night, uh, the result factoring in as well. The Brewers get shut out in San Diego to start their three-game set against the Padres. Two to nothing. So if you stayed up until the wee hours of the morning, follow along this Brewers team, waiting until after 9 o'clock for the game to start, for goodness sakes. Uh, Well, let's just say you were not rewarded uh, with a win, let alone even an interesting or entertaining game. Last night's done. Two to nothing. And uh, let's... Lucchese last night, the Padres starting pitcher looked like a Cy Young Award winner. Seven scoreless. I I believe they combined for four total hits last night. The Brewers did. Yep, only four total hits. Oh my God, it sucked. It sucked. Not just because I was up late, but this was just one of those games. And you know, even if you are the purest of pure baseball fans, right, and you swear that it is America's pastime and and the baseball isn't going anywhere and the tradition is great and blah, blah, blah. You know those people, right? I don't mean to say those people, but the baseball purists, right, will even admit that out of 162 games in the regular season, you're going to have some games where it's just like, man, that wasn't fun. That wasn't entertaining. That wasn't a good product. Last night, in my opinion, was not one of those games. It, it, it just stunk. It just wasn't entertaining. And even for Padres, even for Padres fans, I can't imagine it was a whole heck of a lot of fun either. Uh, although their starting pitcher was tremendous, and so was their bullpen in their limited action after Lucchese went seven scoreless uh, and a combined four hitter last night for the entire staff. Here's the thing. What you may have done last night and what I will be tempted to do tonight and tomorrow night until the Brewers start to play better is wake up the next morning, see the score, and then go check the box score, read a recap article, and then maybe, as I am doing right now, go to ESPN.com, scroll all the way to the bottom of the box score, and read the scoring recap, the scoring summary, right? Where it will say, okay, in the first inning, XYZ hit a single, this runner scored. In the third inning, two-run home run, this runner scored, right? And just completely fill yourself in. Let's not let's not lie here. Baseball is pretty easy to, to not watch the game, to sleep through the last couple innings, and then to come back the next day and, and get the gist, Right? So you're never going to be able to get everything, but much more so than football, much more so than basketball, you can kind of glean everything you need to glean from the box score, from the scoring summary, right? So if you did not watch last night, in order to give you a the most wholesome summary that I possibly can, I will now read you in its entirety the scoring summary from last night's game. Here we go. <clears throat> First inning, Hosmer scored on Shasin wild pitch, Machado to third on wild pitch by Shasin. San Diego one, Milwaukee nothing. Next, in the third, Machado, homer to center, 414 feet. San Diego, two, Milwaukee, nothing. That is it. That is all. Thank you. Thanks. I know. I, I thank you very much. Yes. That's it. There's no, there nothing going on last night. Like, that felt like an empty, hollow baseball game. The Brewers only had one runner get to second. It was Christian Yelich on a double. So he extended his hitting streak. We can at least take something from last night's game. Yelich, whoo. Still on a hitting streak. Didn't uh, end up mattering. There were a couple of reasons last night that it was just a grinder of a game. Let's say the Brewers had lost 2-1. to one, All right? It still would have felt like a grinder of a game that just wasn't all that enjoyable. Even, let's say the Brewers 
tie the game 2-2, and it goes to extras, and they end up winning. I, I would still say man, I, that game was painful to watch. Right, that game took years off my life, as sometimes I love to say, for a couple of reasons. And maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I like Yoli Shasin. I like what he was able to do for the Brewers last year. I think they got him at the exact right time, and he had a career year last year. He might return to that form. The Brewers stating that he has a, a, some type of back injury that he's working back from. Okay, that's great. And we'll hear from Craig Council coming up later on in the show specifically about that. But I I have a hard time believing Shasin is going to get back to the level he played at in 2018. And even if he's pitching well, oh my God, does he work slow. Oh my goodness. Bats take five minutes. Am I the only one who notices this? And this is more so coming from a fan perspective than than coming from radio host or, or an analyst, quote unquote, right? I'm going to turn use that term loosely. He works so slow. He throws a pitch, gets it back. All right, take the glove off, rub the ball. All right, take a lap around the mound. Come back, shake off a sign. Okay, put the glove on. Yep, take the sign, eye it up. Throw the pitch. Oh, okay, ball two. Get the ball back. Ah, crap. Shake the head. Take the glove off. Work the ball. It, oh, my God. It's never ending. It's never ending with Yoli Shasin. And when he's pitching good and the Brewers are winning, which up until this year was almost always the case when he was on the mound, I guess I must have overlooked it. But last night I'm sitting there. Probably didn't help that it was 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, hurry up. Pitch fa- <laughs> Pitch faster. Oh, my goodness. That killed me. And last night... Uh, something that sucks the life out of me more than anything else. The Brewers, just, they were just grounded into double plays. Anytime a hitter would, would have a, a a tough at bat and either reach base on a hit or walk, the Brewers were grounded into double plays. They grounded into two last night. It's just any rally, any tiny little bit of a rally. And let's face it, when you're down by only two runs, one base runner on base, and, and you're a swing of the bat away from tying the ball game. Right? So a rally when down two to nothing and your offense isn't cooking can start by just a walk. Can start by just getting on base with an ugly little flare to left field. And the Brewers were able to pull that a couple of times. They did have some hits. And then they would ground into double plays. And it's like, okay, well, back to square one. It really never felt like the Brewers were in this game last night. That two nothing lead felt so insurmountable by the eighth and the ninth inning. It man, it got to the point where I was like, all right, let's wrap this up. I'm gonna turn it off. I'm gonna go to bed. So I got to get some sleep. I can read about this in the morning. I can deal with this in the morning. This was a waste of my time. I hope you didn't feel like last night's game was a total waste of time, especially if you were listening here on WKTY. They will be back tonight, 835 pregame, 905 first pitch, right here on WKTY for game two of uh, the series. We have a packed show coming up that's going to include a lot of brewers. We're going to talk a lot of brewers. But at 530, I want to step aside for a moment and uh, and talk to who will be a first-time guest on the show, and that's Evan Flood. Uh, he covers the Badgers and prep sports for 24-7, uh, writes for CBS Sports. I mean, this guy's all over the place, but he is on the recruiting scene. He's on the high school scene, and he is everywhere uh, covering players in the state of Wisconsin and all over the place. So we're going to talk to him coming up at 530 about Johnny and Jordan Davis. And you know what? I might just sneak... A couple other questions in there as well. What about Terrence Thompson at Central? What about Terrell Stutley over down Alaska? We'll see who he wants to talk about. But I'm excited to talk to Evan Flood coming up at 530 uh, about some Badgers basketball and some Central basketball. Kind of a situation where where two of our worlds are colliding uh, in the lacrosse area here on the Wisco Sports Show. So that on the way at 530. I do want to talk more Brewers. And I'm not going to continue to bang my head against the wall that... Okay, you're the better team. You should beat the lesser team. I, I think yesterday we had a pretty good conversation about how, yeah, in baseball, the best team doesn't always beat the worst team, right? The, the sport's a little bit different like that. It's not football. It's not basketball. But even if, like I said yesterday, the Marlins are raking the ball or the Padres are pitching really well, at some point the better team has to be able to say, okay, man, they're giving us a, 
They're giving us all we can handle. How do we react? What do we give them back? Our bullpen is great. We have Josh Hader. We have Christian Yelich, the reigning NL MVP. We have Craig Council, who's got a ton of managerial experience in, in, in division races, in the playoffs, all the way up until almost the World Series. And he knows how to slide pieces around and, and, and make things work and, and maybe win in some unorthodox ways in unorthodox circumstances. Where's that? Where's the response? Because I didn't see it last night. We didn't see it against the Marlins. We didn't see it against the Giants. I'm waiting for this Brewers tan- team to stand up and say, we are better yeah, that's nice. Lucchese, n- nice outing. Nobody's ever heard of you, but you sure pitched nice seven innings. Watch what we can do. Watch what we're capable of. Steven Vogt, you want to hit two triples in one game? That's nice. You're a former Brewer. We're happy for you. It's cool to see you getting your stroke back, but watch what our hitters can do. And take it to the next level and win some of these games against lesser teams. Because the Cubs just had a real rough stress against the Dodgers, against the Rockies. They got to play Colorado again. They got St. Louis coming up around the bend, if I'm not mistaken. These games are there for the taking, and you don't want to leave meat on the bone playing in Petco Park out in San Diego, especially if you're forcing Brewers fans to stay up until damn near midnight to watch. I, I will not put up with that. Last night, uh, listening to Craig Council a little bit in the in the postgame presser, something stuck in my st- stuck in my teeth a little bit, bugged me just a little bit, and, and maybe you'll agree, and this is what it comes down to, I guess. This is the, the question I want to ask all of you. How much do these games mean in June, on June 17th, today, on June 18th? How, how meaningful are these games? Because I have an idea of how meaningful these games are. I bet you do as well. But the more I listen to Craig Council talk, I, I think our ideas of, of important June games are, are slightly different. I don't think we hold the same value in regular season games on a Monday night in June. Craig Council and myself. I don't know about you. Feel free to chime in. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. How important are baseball games in June? I'll give you my thoughts and I, I'm going to tell you what, according to what Craig Council said last night, I, I do not agree with the Brewers skipper. That coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, and I am your host. Hope you're having an awesome day. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking Brewers baseball. Last night, they uh, suffered a shutout defeat at the hands of the Padres, 2 to nothing. And yes, I did stay up to watch watch the entire thing. Really didn't need to, uh, as I explained earlier. Something came up while watching the post-game press conferences that just kind of stuck with me, and it was the way Craig Council talked about Yoli Shasin, who took the loss last night and couldn't get through five innings, uh, and, and then later talked about Freddie Peralta. Two players who had very different outings last night, pitched in very different situations, but I noticed a recurring theme in Craig Council's press conference, so I want to get to that in a couple of minutes, but but let me let me kind of set this up, if you will allow me to. A couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about the Brewers starting pitching. And I said at the time, this is two, three weeks ago, I said at the time that I actually like where the Brewers are. I like where their starting rotation is because we don't really have it figured out, but there are so many options. And a couple of guys are going to have to stand out. The the cream is going to rise to the top. No, that's not the, that's not the expression. The good stuff is going to stand out, right? Use whatever expression you want. Zach Davies has already done so, and I think Brandon Woodruff has already done so as well. So those are two guys who have already separated themselves. And now you bring back Jimmy Nelson. Yoli Shasin comes back from this injury. Maybe Gio Gonzalez comes back. Chase Anderson. You have some options, right? Now, not all of them are going to end up starting pitchers. Some of them are going to end up in the bullpen. And, of course, you have Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns in that disgusting mix as well. Some of them are going are gonna to pop. Somebody's going to stand out, right? All the Brewers have to do is, is figure it out. 
and then whatever's left, you relegate to the bullpen, and depth helps everybody, right? Because now your middle relief is going to be better, knowing that you'll have a Chase Anderson in the bullpen, right? Or a Corbin Burns, or a Freddie Peralta, as they have decided right now. Freddie Peralta not going to be a starter, uh, but he's going to be pitching in the bullpen for the time being, and was very good last night. Uh, gave him a couple of innings. The Brewers just needed to figure it out, right? They had all the puzzle pieces. It was kind of a scrambled mess a couple of weeks ago. But once they get it into order, I, I think this can be a decent rotation and a deep bullpen once some of those arms fall back down to the bullpen and not into the starting rotation. But here we are two weeks later, and to me, it still really doesn't feel like the Brewers have things figured out, right? I liked their position three weeks ago because we were talking on June 1st, May 28th. We weren't talking on June 18th. And as we talked about last week with Bill, when he was here, we were hanging out at Sloopy's, doing the Wisco Sports Show with Bill Michaels, or on Thursday or on Friday. I keep saying... Summer is flying by, June is halfway over, and we are going to be talking trade deadline before you know it. And those talks, those rumors, are heating up more so every day. The one thing I don't want the Brewers to do is start making trades, making moves to improve their team when they don't really know how good their team is. And the starting pitching is a really important part of that. So three weeks ago I said, I like where the Brewers are. Well, now I'm saying not so much because they haven't figured it out. They had, nobody's separated. We still don't know what the deal is with Yolisha's scene after last night. Although, yeah, he was coming back off a, a DL stint, or an IL stint, excuse me, and he needed to get some things right. Okay, fine. But at some point, your starting rotation has to fall into place. You have to have some sort of routine because you can't fly by the seat of your pants for three more months and expect to beat out the Cubs, beat out the Cardinals. I, I just don't see that happening. So the Brewers haven't gotten it figured out yet. And I asked you, I posed the question to you, how important is one regular season game on June 17th, last night's Brewers game against the Padres? Or let's talk about tonight's game. How important is tonight's game? June 18th, which will be against the Padres once again. How important is that game? How much weight does that game hold? Does it hold more or less than a game in April or a game in July? Well, they're all worth one game. But sometimes it feels to me, and I've heard other people talk about this as well, that the Brewers really aren't doing everything in their power to try to win games. They sent Keston Hira down, for gosh sakes, to play Travis Shaw, to platoon Travis Shaw, and to continue to play Jesus Aguilar. To me, it sometimes sounds like the Brewers are too process-oriented and not result-oriented, right? And look, when I talked to Bill on the Wisco Sports Show last week down at Sloopy's, Bill was complaining, you got to be done with Jesus Aguilar. You got to be done with Travis Shaw. And I said, no, 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 Bill, 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 wait. The Brewers know that this is a long season that they're playing for September and August. They need to get Travis Shaw going. They need to get Jesus Aguilar going because those are bodies that they're going to need down the stretch on top of Keston Hira and on top of whatever help they bring in through a trade. They need those guys. I'm starting to think you need to focus less on the process and more on the result. Because you got the crap kicked out of you by the Marlins. You lost two of three to the Giants. And now you've dropped your first game to the Padres. And these games these games aren't going to get easier because the only team in the division out west uh, that's left to play is the Dodgers, who of course you played a couple of times. You got to deal with the, the Cardinals. You got to deal with the Cubs. You got to deal with all these teams that aren't the Padres, that aren't the Giants, that aren't the Marlins. You need to take advantage of some of these games and it feels like the Brewers aren't. They're focusing too much on the process while ignoring the result which is the current series, which is the previous couple of series. And last night in the post-game press conference, listening to Craig Council talk, I said, damn it, just stop, because it bothers me. 
You're talking about the process. You're talking about improvement. You're talking about making headway and getting better. This team went to the NLCS last year and came within a couple of at-bats from the World Series. We need to focus less on the process and more on the result. For example, Craig Council last night talking post-game about Yoli Shasin, who didn't go five innings. And, and true, only gave up two runs. Uh, but I believe if he would have left in there, he probably would have given up a couple more. This is Craig Council talking about Shasin's first start since returning from the injured list. I thought he got better as the game went along, and that was the story. And he did have a slider tonight, and that's we talked about that before the game. And um, you know, the strikeouts, seven strikeouts, was good to see. Um, you know, his command kind of wavered early in the game, and then I'd say his last. Uh, you know, maybe 50 pitches. I really liked how he threw the ball. Um, so, good positive signs. Um, and the way the hitters reacted to the slider was as positive as well. Craig Council talking about, well, his last 50 pitches I really liked. Well, he got better as the game went on, right? Well, now he has a slider. Well, Craig, I hope so. He throws more sliders than any other pitch. Oh, and his last 50 pitches? Well, it only took him 40 to get through the first two. Yeah, I get we're trying to glean something positive from the starts, from this appearance. But still, I mean, it can't always be about, well, looking towards next time, looking to get healthy, looking for this, looking for that. You just lost the game. You got shut out. You lost two to nothing. Here's Council talking about Freddie Peralta. You know, as we as we enter the stretch, you know, of a lot of games, um, you know, he gave everybody else just, you know, Maddie came in and threw a nice inning. But um, I, I loved how Freddie threw the ball. I thought he'd come. I liked it. And I liked that he had to come into a really tough spot with some men on base, and he made a great pitch to uh, Kinsler. Um, it's, it's what Freddie's going to do for us right now, and I'm glad he could come out and make an impact tonight. I really liked that, that he was able to come in in a tough spot with runners on base. It sounds like you're talking about a preseason game. Man, we had a great opportunity to get Freddie Peralta some high-stress pitches. That, that's not what this is about. I like that Freddie gave you a couple shutout innings. That bodes really well for his role on the team if, if he ends up in middle relief, which by his final comment, this is what Freddie's going to do for us. It sounds like that's his role, his middle relief. Yeah, he was great. But still, you got to be, well, I like that we were able to bring him in in this situation. How old is this guy? Right? He went through all of the minor leagues. You brought him in last year. He was tremendous in spots. Now he's, he, he, he's struggling. This shouldn't be about, well, we were able to get him an interesting situation where we had a runner on second base, and I really like what that means. Stop. Stop. You lost the game. You, you lost the game. I don't want to hear about the process. I don't want to hear about improvement. I, I want to know what's going to go better next time. Because the more press conferences I listen to, it's, well, Yolise was good at this tonight. And I want to ask, well, what's he going to be bad at next time that's going to put us in this exact same spot to have a negative press conference, right? That, that, that. More results less about the process. 608-796-2558. I'm, I'm sorry for keeping you waiting on the five-star telecom talking text line. We're talking Brewers. Caller, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi. Hello. Yeah, another great show. You're doing a good job. Uh, well, thank on you. the question about uh, baseball games, uh, June 17th or uh, May 17th, I can name uh, at least several Hall of Fame managers who are in the agreement Every game you win this time of year is one less game you have to win in uh, September, so they're all important. Amen. I love uh, that. And, and uh, I got a couple of uh, NBA questions for you. Yeah. Do you think the Lakers are done? Uh, well, they ain't going to be drafting anybody, so they got to sign somebody else. Do you think they're done 
And which way do you think the Bucks are going to go uh, Thursday night? And I'll hang your listener response. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I like your comment. One game you win now is one less you have to win in the future. I, I completely agree. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, as far as your NBA questions, are the Lakers done? No, I, I think the question now is whether the Lakers are going to chase one more big fish and put all their money into another big free agent if they can swing it, or if they're going to break it up and, and, and allocate it between two or three good role players, right? good veterans that they can bring in alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron. That's, that's my question. I feel like that's the question for most people right now. I don't think anybody thinks the Lakers are done. It's how they're going to allocate that money, and it, it might Turn out that they can't get a big free agent, so they have to put it elsewhere. But And what I should do is ask Dave uh, of Mornings with Dave and Scrady. He's the resident Laker guy here. Uh, whether they're going to put it all into one big superstar or, or a couple players who can kind of be the supporting cast. That's I think that's going to be uh, the ultimate choice that the Lakers make. And they might have it made for him, like I said. Kemba Walker doesn't go to L.A.? Okay, fine. We'll pay Pat Beverly. We'll pay XYZ. We'll play all these different players, right? Oh, the Bucks! I have no clue where they're going to go on on uh, on draft night at pick number thirty. I think in the perfect world, if the Bucks could do anything they want with that pick, they'd package it with Tony Snell or Ursan Ilyasova and trade it away uh, to get some cap relief for this upcoming free agency period to try to bring back guys uh, like Nikola Mirotic or Brogdon or Lopez or or whoever have you. In the best case scenario, I think that's what they would do: is package that pick and trade it away. Uh, I know they're short on first round picks right now, but. Uh, that's the nature of the beast. That's the, the Bucks situation. Let's talk a little bit of basketball. Let's keep the hoops talk going. Uh, we're lucky enough to be uh, joined by Evan Flood here in a couple of minutes. He's a Wisconsin insider for 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. He covers uh, high school hoops for Preps Hoop Wisconsin. This dude's all over the place. He covers everybody, and he's very familiar with not only the Davis boys who just recruited to Wisconsin, which is what I mostly want to talk about, but prep basketball all over the area. So maybe we'll talk about a couple other players as well. That coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Presented by Played Against Sports, you're listening to WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always stream live on our website, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. We're talking a lot of brewers, and it's really good conversation, so I want to get back to it uh, before the end of the show. But right now, we're really lucky. I'm really excited. We're able to talk to Evan Flood uh, on the Five Star Telecom talking text line at 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. And, of course, he's covering Wisconsin high school hoops uh, for prep sports or prep hoops, excuse me, Wisconsin. Evan, you do a lot of different things. What's going on? Uh, yeah, uh, right now I'm kind of just uh, taking a little break here throughout June. I'm actually going to go on vacation here in a little bit, take a, a week or two off. But I uh, just got out of a couple Wisconsin camps here, and you know we'll hit the, the AAU scene here in, in, in July coming up in a few weeks. Well, heck yeah, that doesn't sound like a, like too bad of a summer. Evan, I want to ask you, and, and maybe for our listeners who don't know, it's not like I'm an expert on this either, what do you do throughout high school basketball season? What are your assignments who are you talking to just give us maybe a picture about what you do when you cover high school athletes because when you the idea of covering high school athletes is a little bit different than a, a pro team right maybe give us a picture of that before we start right well with uh 24 7 sports and, and prep hoops wisconsin you know ideally uh, i like to be able to kill two birds with one stone so to speak but you know that that, that doesn't always happen but you know that that's possible when you know wisconsin's recruiting a certain kid and now yeah, i can cover them uh, on the high school scene as well, but for prep hoops, Wisconsin, you know, mainly the idea is to give exposure uh, to the state of Wisconsin uh, high school basketball prospects. You know, help elevate them in any way possible. Uh, talk to a lot of colleges, um, 
know, they, they subscribe to our stuff as, as well as well fans. Uh, but, you know, try and uh, just give them the opportunities and put them in the best position to succeed after high school as, as much as possible. And then for 24-7 sports, uh, obviously, you know, just uh, covering the Badgers uh, with a heavy emphasis on recruiting football and basketball-wise uh, and, you know, keeping Wisconsin fans uh, in tune and in touch with uh, the kids uh, the Badgers are after as much as possible. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I know our our listeners appreciate it, too. I can watch games. I can give my opinions. We can have conversations on the air. But it's tough to cover recruiting and cover some of those other details if you're not in town. I, I talked to Zach Heilprin, who I'm sure uh, you know, and, and other people from Madison. It's a great help when we're able to have people uh, like you on WKTY. Were you in, you were in lacrosse. You were in Alaska for a couple of games. What opportunities have you had uh, to watch the Davis boys and this lacrosse central team as a whole. I've been, well, I've been watching the Davis boys since, uh, fifth grade. I've, you know, followed them through AAU. You know, I, I always go to, uh, I don't necessarily cover middle school, but I sure. just think a little too early to, to start writing and take about kids and, and all that. But, you know, I do watch and kind of see how these guys develop, you know, specifically those two I've been watching, uh, since fifth grade, uh, probably made, you know, three or four trips to lacrosse every high school season since they've uh, arrived at Century. Obviously, it was a lot. Was there a lot more when Kobe King uh, was was playing, and after he committed to Wisconsin and saw them a lot more as uh, freshmen. But you know, I've watched these two. Um, you know, really all around the country, um, whether it's Las Vegas, um, you know, or um, I'll see them out in Atlanta here in, in, in July as well. But, you know, across the Midwest, you know, I've watched these guys compete against some of the country's uh, best players. So, you know, it's been a, a long road with, with me and them. I'm sure they're sick of seeing me sure. uh, a lot of games. But, yeah, it, it's been, yeah, I believe since fifth grade I've been watching them play. God, that's I, I never would have imagined uh, high school and, and middle school and AAU sports go so deep. It, it is hard for me to grasp sometimes. So I want to ask about Johnny and, of course, Jordan. So Johnny had lots of offers. He's a four-star shooting guard, as, as you wrote about. Uh, had offers from Marquette, West Virginia, Iowa, Minnesota. And you seem to think that his recruiting interest could have spiked this summer and this fall. Jordan with a couple offers from, from Milwaukee and from Green Bay. What is it that ultimately sold these two kids on Madison? Because we've seen, you know, you don't have to look far very back or very far back with Tyler Hero that it's not always a given that Wisconsin is going to land the, their best in-state recruits. What brought these two boys to Wisconsin? Right. Well, I think, you know, from the beginning, they, they've always wanted to play together. And I think when they were freshmen, they were a little bit closer talent-wise after that. Uh, I think early in, in Johnny's sophomore year, he picked up the offer from Wisconsin, and it kind of be, started to become clear that, you know, maybe these two were going to have to go their, their separate ways. Unfortunately for Wisconsin, you know, missing on the Hauser brothers was kind of a blessing in disguise because, they had extra scholarships to give. They knew if they got Johnny that, that Jordan was probably going to walk on anyway um, and, and I would assume earn a scholarship down the road. You know, this, you know the Hauser brothers uh, leaving Wisconsin with two extra scholarships and four total in 2020 allowed Greg Gard to kind of make this move. And yeah, I think some people will, will question the move because Wisconsin's giving a scholarship to a kid that only had mid-major offers uh, in Jordan. But, but, you know, the way I look at it, um, like I said, Jordan was going to end up on this roster anyway if he got Johnny, and he was too good to walk on. You know, it was kind of like a, a Trevor Anderson type pickup for the Badgers, a kid that you know, if he walked on, you knew he was going to see the floor at some point anyway in a scholarship. So, so you're really just brought, uh, getting to the inevitable here 
uh, if you're Wisconsin. And, and you have peace of mind if you're Greg Gard, too. You don't have to worry about Johnny potentially blowing up in, in July and being seen by all these schools. He's heading to the Under Armour Finals here uh, next month. You know, every school in the country was probably going to be represented down there. You know, he wasn't going to stay as big of a secret as he is now. So now if you're Wisconsin, you've got that peace of mind. Like I've talked about, you got three or four scholarships filled, and you can really be picky with, with the last one. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Evan Flood, uh, who, who covers uh, hoops for just about everybody, 24-7 sports, CBS Sports, uh, and perhaps Hoops Wisconsin, just to name a few. What jumps out to you when you watch the Davis boys play? And you can talk about John, you can talk about Jordan, you can talk about them as a tandem, but, but what, what jumps out to you when you watch them play on the floor? Not recruiting, you know, not the politics of it, but, but basketball-wise. Just the, the tenacity between the both of them. You know, I think they're two kids that, that don't get outworked, and you know, I'm watching them right after they, they committed to Wisconsin on, on Friday night. They're playing at the UW Natatorium. For, you know, if you've never been there, um, it's a place. You know, I kind of call it the hot box. There's no AC. They're playing at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. against a team that you know is very inferior to Lacrosse Central. And yet, you know, these guys are essentially playing for nothing. They don't have to worry about their recruitment. They don't have to worry about impressing the Wisconsin staff. They, they've got almost nothing to play for. And you know, here they are. Uh, giving it 110 percent out, outworking everybody on the floor. I just love the motor that these two kids play with. Uh, that you just can't turn it off. You know, I see these guys. Like I said, I've seen these guys for uh, I don't even know how many years, but but it's been the same thing since since day one. Since I've watched them in, in the gym, nobody outworks these two. I think they're two kids that get the most out of their talent. Um, looking at Johnny, you know, I, I know a lot of people. They dog him because he's a shooting guard that doesn't necessarily shoot it all, all that well. But the, the tenacity the kid plays with, I, I just you don't find many defenders that are willing to match it and keep him away from the rim. He's going to be a guy for Wisconsin, I think, plays early, even though they're returning so much in 2020. I think he's going to be a big part of that team and, and somebody that Greg Gard's going to have a hard time keeping off the floor. Jordan, again, going back to, to what he had with his scholarship, uh, with, from UW-Green Bay, UW-Milwaukee. I don't know if a lot of people are expecting much out of him, but, but he's a guy I do think can defend at the high major level. A lot of people um, you know, who have seen lacrosse central know that it's actually Jordan that often guards the other team's best player, yeah. not Johnny, although I think Johnny is, is a terrific defender in his own right. But, but I've seen you know Jordan on the AAU circuit and in high school uh, be able to hold his own uh, against uh, a lot of high major guards. So I think he'll get on the floor. Uh, that way, and you know, he's starting to shoot the ball really well, too. You know, at Wisconsin's camp, it was the first time since maybe they were freshmen. I, I left the weekend thinking that Jordan outperformed Johnny. He Jordan shot the ball so well, uh, this, this weekend, um, really from, from all over the floor. Uh, so you know, I think he could develop into a three and D type guy for, for Greg Gard, but you know, two kids that I think just their, their work ethic. Their blue collar mentality, they'll, they'll fit right in with the Badgers. Yeah, that'll take them a long way at, at, at in Madison, that's for sure. Evan Flood joining us here on the Wisco Sports Show. I got to ask you one more thing, Evan. I'm from up by uh, Eau Claire. I'm from Menominee, so I grew up in the Big Rivers Conference where football is, is the thing. You have good basketball players and teams every once in a while. Henry Ellenson was obviously great. But it feels different down here now that I've been here for a couple of years in the Mississippi Valley. Do you get that impression? I know you get you get to see the whole state. Do you get that impression about this conference and maybe outside of the the Davis boys? 
what kind of players should we keep our eye on? Should we be watching coming up this winter? Yeah, I think this year is going to be really interesting in that conference because I don't think Lacrosse Central is really a guarantee to get back to state. You know, I think on Alaska, you could make a, a case. I'm sure the Davis boys don't want to hear this, but you know, you, you could make a case that on Alaska goes into this year uh, as the favorite. They've got everything back, if I'm not mistaken. Tyrell Stutley. Uh, Sam Kick, you know, Gavin McGrath is a big guy that's, you know, sort of developing uh, really quick here, and they were a little bit young last year, and then they played Lacrosse Central very close the last great, great uh, games, if I'm not mistaken, and then had them on the ropes in both of those games. I think it was, uh, you know, Johnny in the playoff. I wasn't there, but I heard Johnny in the playoff game made some things happen late, and, and Lacrosse Central was able to, to barely survive so and you know you look at central obviously johnny's back jordan's back terrence thompson is back but noah parcher is a big was a big piece for them at point guard and made so many winning plays for them that you know like i said i think you could argue on alaska could be the favorite this year i think those two games are the probably three games that they end up playing next year are going to be very closely contested and you know, this might be the year on Alaska breaks through. It, you, know, you almost feel bad for them. They've had so many good teams, but they have to face this uh, lacrosse central team and regionals. They don't even get a chance to, to play in sectionals with, with a, lot, a lot of the talent that Central's had. But, you know, like I said, I think this might be the year for them to break through. Well, Evan, it's June 18th, and you have me just ready to go for high school basketball this winter. And, and for that, I thank you. Thanks for a couple of minutes, and, and, and maybe we'll have to talk again down the road. You just know so much about these players and these teams, so I thank you. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Evan. That's Evan Flood, who covers everybody for just about everybody. Uh, 24-7 Sports, Prep Hoops Wisconsin. He does a lot of great work. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, at Evan underscore Flood, because he's giving you great content about the Davis Twins. or twins. I always say twins. They're not twins. They're brothers. You get the point. Both Johnny and Jordan. And, of course, Terrell Stutley, Terrence Thompson, and some of these other great players around the Mississippi Valley Conference as well. When we come back, I want to continue to talk about the Brewers because we do have another game coming up tonight, Brewers-Padres, at 9.05. I think there's something we're missing. I think there's one player that up until now we've kind of ignored, and at the point last night, I, I can't ignore it anymore. i, I got to speak out. I, I, it's really not as dramatic as I'm making it. There's one player who's not pulling their weight. We haven't talked about it at all. We'll wrap up the show talking about that coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Thanks again to Evan Flood for taking a couple of minutes and joining us. There are a lot of things in sports I can wrap my mind around. I've never played football at a high level. I, I feel like I can sit down and analyze and, and discuss the game with, with all of you. Same with basketball. One thing that I, I, I struggle with is recruiting. Understanding how all of that works, the logistics of signing and committing and offering, it's it's complicated. So that's why we have such a great uh, group of guests that we call on. Zach Heilprin, as I mentioned earlier, and of course now Evan as well, and I hope to talk to him uh, somewhere down the line. Hopefully about some more college basketball players coming from this area. That's always uh, a good thing. I want to get back to the Brewers before we say goodbye because the Brewers going to play again tonight. The Padres, another shot at it at 9.05. Last night they lost 2-0 to zero, and something I forgot to mention earlier I wanted to talk about. Yolisha seen last night only goes four and two thirds and it got me thinking, man, when was the last time a Brewers pitcher has actually gone five, actually gone six? Well, the last time the Brewers have had a quality start, which is six innings, three earned runs or less, was the previous start by Brandon Woodruff, who's going to pitch tonight. 
It's been that long. And I started to think, I wonder if quality starts are a statistic that is, is kept track of. Obviously, some, someone somewhere is keeping that stat, but is it somewhere I can access? Is it somewhere I can find it? Well, I didn't have to look very hard. Go to ESPN.com, look at the statistics, team pitching, and of course, they give you all the stats. ERA, saves, complete games, uh, shutouts, all of these things, right? And you can order it by which statistic you want. Earned runs, runs, bases on balls, strikeouts, innings pitched, and quality starts. Thank you, ESPN. And I'm like, I wonder where the Brewers rank. Well, number one is the Dodgers, followed by Houston at number two. And I'm like, okay, well, they're the cream of the crop. Two great teams. Of course, they would be one and two, right? Well, let's keep moving. Brewers got to be somewhere close. Okay, well, Washington, Minnesota, 3-4. Oakland, okay, Oakland, Miami. Oakland and Miami at number six. Okay, well, Atlanta, seven. Okay, well, they're, they're the Cubs at eight. Okay, so we've gone through about the top ten, and the my early thoughts are it means something, but it doesn't mean everything because the Dodgers are great, right? The Astros are great, and they're one and two. But but then again, Oakland is there, and Miami's there, and they're not they're not great. So you can't draw a complete conclusion from a quality start, but it, it's certainly a statistic that has some bearing, right? Okay, well, where, where do the Brewers fall? Out of all thirty teams, the Brewers are twenty ninth. Sandwiched in between the Baltimore Orioles and the Los Angeles Angels. 29th in all the majors. Not just the National, not just the American League, but there below teams like the Blue Jays and the Orioles and the Reds and the Padres and the Giants and the Tigers and the White Sox. Yuck! Once again, that stat doesn't mean everything, but it means something. If the Dodgers were last... Okay, well, maybe it doesn't mean that much. If Houston was near the bottom, okay, it doesn't mean that much. But they're at the top. Twins are up there. Cubs are up there. Yeah, so is Miami and Oakland. That's why the stat, no stat is perfect. No stat is ever going to tell the full story. Just the way that it is. Now, for some players, stats tell more of a story than others. And a player that I've been trying to key on is Lorenzo Cain as we we go from pitching to to hitting, uh, of which the Brewers didn't do a whole lot of last night. They only collected four hits, only one runner went to second base. We've talked a lot about Travis Shaw and Jesus Aguilar, mostly because Keston Hero was another option, right? Well, we could have Keston Hero. Why are we playing Travis Shaw? Why are we playing Jesus Aguilar? One player we haven't talked a whole lot about is Lorenzo Cain. I think for multiple reasons. He's a veteran. He's very respected. He's getting paid a lot of money. And and the Brewers really don't have another option in center field unless you want to move Yelich over. You can, but you don't have a natural replacement, right? Your number one prospect isn't hitting the hiss out of the ball in, in AAA, making that seat a little warm for Lorenzo Cain, right? That, that's, that's just not happening. So I think Lorenzo Cain has been able to fly under the radar, at least, and, and talk about statistics that mean something, right? Batting average doesn't mean everything, right? Bryce Harper's batting average stinks on ice every year, and look at how, money, how much money he's getting paid. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to hit his home runs. He's going to sell his jerseys, right? His team might not win, but he's a very successful player. Like, like statistics don't mean everything. Batting average doesn't mean everything. It means something, Not everything. RBIs are important. Home runs are important. Average, on-base percentage, slugging. It all means something, and it all helps us to kind of paint the fullest picture possible. Because we don't want to focus just on one or two stats. We want to take a more wholesome look. Well, for a leadoff hitter, of which Lorenzo Cain is, I think the most important stat would not be batting average, would not be slugging percentage, would not be home runs or RBIs. But I would argue that on-base percentage is the most important statistic for a leadoff hitter. Right? Well, what's that famous line from, from Brad Pitt in Moneyball, right? We're not paying you to, to hit home runs. We're not paying you to get hits. We're paying you to get on base, right? We're not paying you to strike out. We're paying you to get on base, whatever the line is. Something to that effect, right? Well, that's even more important 
for a leadoff hitter who's got Christian Yelich, the reigning MVP hitting behind him, and Ryan Braun, who's a former MVP, and Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis, who both should be all-stars, both having really good years. Right, Christian Yelich had a home run the other night, solo shot, this is on Saturday, would have tied the game if there just would have been one runner on base, and that probably would have went to extra innings. Which, I, trust me, I'm not a huge fan of extra innings, but it's better than losing. Lorenzo Cain's on-base percentage right now is .304. And you might hear that and think, okay, well, about one out of every three times. That's not terrible. Well, uh, not so much, right? OBP, or on-base plus slugging, your, your, your OBP, Lorenzo Cain is worse on the Brewers than every other player except Aaron Perez, who's only slightly worse at 294 or 291, excuse me, but his Perez has a better batting average, so you start to see where some of those things balance out. I guess Lorenzo Cain's 304 is, is better than Freddie Peralta's 167 or Manny Pena's 273 or Travis Shaw's 285, but those aren't exactly the players Lorenzo Cain wants to be compared to, right? Lorenzo Cain's been bad. Okay, if his power isn't there, that's fine. If his RBIs aren't there, that's fine. But one thing that always will have to be there for Lorenzo Cain, as he fits on this current Brewers team in 2019, he needs to get on base. He needs to get on base so Christian Yelich can drive him in, or Ryan Braun, or Mike Moustakis, or Yasmani Grandal. Take your pick. There's a lot of good hitters behind him. And when Lorenzo Cain gets on base, that offense starts to hum. It starts to click. If not, well, now all of a sudden you got Christian Yelich going up there with the bags empty and one out. That's not an ideal spot. Now you got Ryan Braun going up there with two outs if Christian Yelich does. It, it just starts a chain of events that's not exactly ideal. Lorenzo Cain needs to get on base more. And, and what's worrying me is I watched Jesus Aguilar last night. He 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 was decent. He had a hit and only two at-bats, and, and he looked okay because he was fighting off pitches. He appeared to be seeing the ball. Lorenzo Cain doesn't appear to be seeing the ball right now. He's waving at pitches all over the place, and to me it appears like he's lost an eye for the strike zone. Now, obviously, hitters go through ebbs and flows, so we'll we'll see what the next couple of weeks bring for Lorenzo Cain. But right now, he's got a worse on-base plus slugging than Jesus Aguilar. It's not exactly what you want from your leadoff hitter, especially when your leadoff hitter is hitting in front of Christian Yelich. Just something to keep in mind as we hate on Travis Shaw and as we hate on Jesus Aguilar, who can't figure it out. Let's not forget, let's not ignore Lorenzo Cain and what he's got to do better uh, coming up here in the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks. Brewers Padres tonight, 9.05, first pitch, 8.35 pregame. Stay up and watch, and if you want to go to bed, we'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll fill you in. Wisco Sports Show, back same time, same place. I'll talk to you then.